So this week we're going to go back and look again at the vision for 2020. And I think Aaron touched on that a little bit during offering. You have to have a plan, <laughs> right? Because if you don't have a plan, what are you going to do? Waste your life, pretty much. If, if you don't plan it, you're not going to do it. But if you do plan it, chances are good that you will hit the target. And I, I think that's what all of us uh, really need to focus on in 2020. If, if you want to see different things happen. You know, somebody said, if you keep doing the same thing over and over and over and over and expect a different result, that's kind of a sign of... Anyway, we won't go there. But don't be that person, all right? If it's not working what you're doing, figure out why and do it different. Ask God, what do I need to do? If you missed last week, and I know today we've got a bunch of people gone again, and you may be tuning in on live stream. Uh, if you missed last Sunday, go back and listen or watch that. You can actually go to GaylordChurch.com and watch the archived message uh, or you can listen to it on podcast. But I, I think it's important to get that foundation, not that you won't get something out of today's message if you weren't here, but uh, it does help. Because God, who knows, how many know that God builds? He starts on a firm foundation, and He builds upward. And He expects us to do things strategically. He expects us to have that strong foundation, first of all. And of course, the rock, according to Scripture, is none other than Jesus Christ. That's our foundation. That's where we, we begin. But once we have dedicated our lives to Him, that's when the real work begins. Too many Christians are in that mode of thinking that, hey, once I'm born again, that's it. Just go on doing what I've always done. No. Do it God's way. Seek Him first. Seek Him and his kingdom, and all the other things will be added unto you. You're not going to miss anything. You're not going to lack anything that you really do need. Before we begin, and I did this last week, it's a little different prayer this Sunday, but would you stand with me one more time, and would you pray this prayer with me out loud? You ready? Heavenly Father, Help me to understand who I am in Christ, who you want me to become. I come to you, Holy Spirit, fully surrendered. May there be nothing between you and me. It is my prayer that you would help me see as you see. Help me to recognize your vision for my life. I want 2020 to be my best year yet. And I commit the success of it into your mighty hands. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, now you can sit down. So just a quick recap. I'm going to run through these because... Uh, by the way, I started late, so you know what that means. John 4, 24. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. How many can say amen? amen. I started with that one, but I ended with this one. Joel 2, 28, 29. And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Eve, even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. God is spirit. We are flesh, but we have a spirit in us because in Genesis 1:26 it says God created us in his image, in his likeness. We're just like him in that sense. There's a spirit in us, and that spirit has to conform to God's will. When you get to that place, everything changes. But until then, it seems like you're constantly doing this. You're hitting your head against the wall, so to speak. Why? 
It's God's way of showing us things aren't right yet. Keep moving. Keep trying to discover who I am. Keep going after me. Because when you're hitting that wall, that's just a sign you're not where you're supposed to be. Hello? He gives us His Spirit to enlighten us, to comfort us, to strengthen us. He gives us His Spirit to bring joy to our lives and understanding. When you pick this book up, when you have God's Spirit in you, this book makes sense. We'll go through this a little bit more as I proceed with this message. Another thing that I tried to show last week, and I think it's very important, is in order for God to use us, and and we were created to do something, in order for Him to use us, we have to first be, and I said this last week, available. Your availability to what He wants to do will determine how much He uses you. So if He isn't using you right now, in any way, shape, or form, It's because you are not available. You have closed off to Him. And only you can decide what that might look like. On the other hand, if you've opened yourself up to Him, if you said, God, I surrender myself to You, it's all Yours anyway, do what You will with me. What can't God do? What can't God do with you? And this leads to purpose. We all have a purpose. And I, of course, I shared from Jeremiah 29, 11. I won't go there today, but just to understand, God has a plan and a purpose for your life. Every one of us. Listen, we're all different. When you look at those white things out there, those snowflakes, when you observe the fact, and they have never That's a strong word. They have never found two. You know, there are people that have tried to to prove this wrong. There's some scientist out there today, probably ungodly, who's looking to try to find two snowflakes that are exactly the same, and they haven't done it yet. And if God does that with a snowflake, how much different does he create you and me? Our fingerprints are different. Our pupils are, you know, they can use your eye to be a definitive security measure because nobody else has an eye like yours. We're different. That's because God has a different plan for each and every one of us. You're not expected to be Norm. I'm not expected to be Chris. And I thank God for that because I would go crazy if I had to work in that nursery every week. You love it. Because God created you that way. God has a purpose. He doesn't want us going through this life helter-skelter. Meaning in a state of confusion. He wants us to be focused, driven, and passionate about what He has called us to do. Do you know your purpose? And the last thing I wanted to re-emphasize is God will not give you something to do that you haven't already been prepared to do. That doesn't mean it'll be easy. I remember the first time he challenged me to speak in front of a group of 200 men, and I failed. I got up there, and, and I, I literally just lost them. I had note cards, but it didn't help because I'd never done this before. And when I finished, I looked at the leader and he's like, oh man, did I really have you speak? I felt horrible. But you know what that did? It made me prepare. I realized at that moment that I wasn't ready and I went back to the books and I went back to study how do you speak? I even took classes. Sometimes you fail. And hear this. In a business, when you fail, you'll probably get fired. 
But with God, He is the God of do-overs. You know what? If you didn't succeed today, you will tomorrow as long as you don't give up. The problem is too many of us give up. Well, I can't do that. I can't pray for people. I can't usher. I can't greet. I'm a failure. No, you're not until you quit. That's a failure. Whatever God is challenging you to do, do it with all that you are, all that you have, all that God's already put in you. And here's the other cool thing. When you start to do something God's given you to do, you get that supernatural empowerment. It multiplies what you already had. You think you're there, and then you step into a pulpit like this, and the next thing you know, you're, run, you're running a race, man. You're like... Because God is with you. It's not just you. If it was, well, that would be man. But when God is in you and with you, whatever He's asked you to do, when you step into that role by faith, all of a sudden you're going to realize, hey, there's something happening here. Maybe it's talking to somebody that doesn't know Jesus for the first time. And you're just sitting there going, I can't do this. And you open your mouth, and the next thing you know, that person's going, wow, I didn't know that. That's what Jesus is all about? Hallelujah. I said I wasn't going to put that up. There it is, Jeremiah 29, 11. Listen, you can't help but get excited when you apply this to your life. When you understand this is what God wants to do with you, you can't help but get passionate about that. But until you know the plan He has for you, it's really difficult to get excited. Until you know what the next step is, it's really hard to be motivated to do what God's calling you to do. This week, I want to address an area where the Holy Spirit comes into this, and we're going to spend February on talking about the Holy Spirit. I believe that something supernatural is going to hit this church like never before. I believe that our children are going to be included in this, and I didn't know they were teaching on this. I, I touched base with them last week about this, and I found out, yeah, in February we're going to teach on the Holy Spirit. I said, well, imagine that. We're going to do that too. Why? Because He, the third person of the Trinity, is so important. You and I cannot go through this life without Him. When you say yes to Jesus, the minute that you confess your sins and believe in Him, God's Spirit comes into you. But it doesn't stop there on that first day. It continues. And for you to be successful... For you to be victorious over sin, you need the power of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to get into that more very soon. Here's my observation about the Holy Spirit. This is what he put on my heart. Many believers want to serve the Lord, but when it comes right down to it, they haven't prepared themselves to take that next step. I talked a little bit about this last week, but I'm going to go a little bit deeper today with, with, say this, the heart issue. Lay your hand on your heart. Do you feel that pumping, hopefully? Because if you don't, call 911. When you lay your hand on your heart, what does that show you? That you're alive. Because if it wasn't beating, you wouldn't be. God is a heart doctor. God wants to do the supernatural with your heart. And I'm not referring to that physical muscle now. I'm moving into the spirit realm. God wants to do something you can't do, I can't do, but he can. He wants to change us.
And that requires, in a sense, a heart transplant. I'm going to get into that. Many believers want to serve the Lord, but when it comes down to it, they're not ready to take that next step. I've already proposed this in part, that the Lord is training us up in righteousness. Why? Because He wants us to do great things for Him. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Where? On earth as it is in heaven. Who is going to usher in the kingdom? You and me. The people that have God's heart. When he commented on David, King David, the boy David in the Old Testament, when he commented on him, God said, this is a man after my own heart. He wants you and me to be similar. Not be David, but to be like David. Or more practically and more importantly, like Jesus. To go after God with all our heart, mind, soul, and body. We must begin by taking that first step. And you may be here, and you may be a Christian for 40, 50 years, whatever. And you might be saying, you know what, this is pretty basic stuff. I don't need to hear this. Yes, you do. We all do. We need to go back. We need to go back to the basics because we have let people down. We've let God down. We are not living for Him like we should. We talked about this yesterday, that one of the biggest problems with the church is that we look like the world. They don't see a difference in us anymore. And that doesn't mean that we should be haughty and we should be holy and, oh, brother, you sinner. No. Jesus was the holiest guy there ever was. And you never heard him do that. Nor should we. You love the people. You, make a, you get into relationships with people. You get to know them. And then you have that opportunity to say, hey, look, this is what I feel the Lord's saying. But if you don't already have that relationship, you might as well pack it up because they're not going to hear you. You're just a wah, 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 wah. So let me ask you this. We, we talked about steps. What's the first step to being a Christian? It's the R word. Repentance. We have to repent. What does that mean? To turn. To turn from sin, from the way we were going. It literally means to do a 180. I remember years ago, I was in a, a, a 1974 Pontiac Trans Am with a 455 built cam in it. And my buddy said, hey, you want to drive it? And I said, sure. And we're going this way. And he said, hit the accelerator. And I punched it. Next thing I knew, <laughs> we went the other way. That was the funnest 180 I've ever done short of giving my life to Jesus. Turn your lives back to God. Here's the important part. Oops, I missed one. I did. I don't know where it went. Romans 6, 4 through 7. And, and I'm talking about this. You and I have to trust in Jesus, which basically means we, we need to trust that he died on the cross for us. Not only that, but that he didn't stay in the grave, that he rose again on the third day. And he was the first of many. What Jesus did, God's going to do again by the tens and hundreds of thousands, hopefully millions, when he comes back for the church. But until then, we are expected to live for him. To live holy and pure lives. This is what the Apostle Paul was saying in Romans 6, 4-7. He said, when you connect with God, when you invite Him in, you literally participate in His death. We were therefore buried with Him through baptism into death in order that Jesus as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father. We too may live a new life. 
If we have been united with him in death, like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. That's what I was just saying. For we know that our old self was crucified with him. Would you read that part with me? Verse 6. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who's died has been set free from their sin. This is where the Holy Spirit said, we've got to work on this. Church, Pastor Norm, tell your people, we got to work on this, all right? In Galatians, it says this, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. That emphasis is mine there. Have crucified the sinful nature. How are we doing with that? And listen, I'm not asking you to judge me, and I'm not judging you. Here's what I'm asking you to do. Ask the Holy Spirit, how am I doing with this? Have I been been crucifying my sinful nature? We all have to figure this out. Boy, I don't know what I did with my notes, but. You can't have it both ways. You are either born again or you are not. And I've had people tell me, well, Pastor Norm, you know, I try to live for the Lord, but man, those temptations, they're just too difficult. They're just too difficult to overcome. And you know, I've been hung up on stuff before. I'm not saying I'm perfect. I remember when I smoked. I was a smoker. I I was a smoker of smokers. Four packs of Marlboros a day. Yeah. The miracle is, many years later, I had an x-ray, and the doctor said, your lungs are perfectly clear. Now, I was delivered. I started when I was 12. I, deliv- I was delivered when I was 26. And I didn't smoke four packs a day when I was 12, but it led up to that. I'm just saying that whatever is holding you back from what God wants you to do, that's something that has to be crucified. It, it could be a drink. Listen, I'm not up here telling you that you can't have a beer. For me, I choose not to drink because I can't afford to have somebody look at me and use my example to drink. I don't want that. And as a pastor, we're, if I did drink, I would lose my credentials with the assembly. They still hold that strongly to the idea that we shouldn't. But in the Scriptures, Paul says, what? Little bit of wine for the stomach. All right? Emphasis on a little. You drink too much, it's over. We're coming into an age where I don't know where this is going to go with the marijuana thing. I talked about that a little bit last week, but you listen. How far do you go? I've heard that this stuff is unlike what I smoked when I was a kid. I've heard it's so powerful that it'll make you loopy. Whatever that means. It's so strong. If you're not in control, it's too far. Amen? And I'm not, I hope I don't sound like I'm condoning marijuana. I don't mean that at all. I do know some people that use it medically, and I don't see a whole lot of difference between that and taking a Vicodin. But I also believe that it can be a hindrance to your walk with the Lord. I don't think you're going to connect with the Holy Spirit if you've been doing this. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, yeah, you're awesome. I really, oh, I spirit you now, yeah. You aren't going to know the difference whether God's with you or not. You're, you're high. 
How did I end up there? <laughs> One of the biggest things we talked about yesterday is that God is relational. I love this fact. You know, He's the only God that wants a relationship with His people. Yes, He's our Lord, but He doesn't want to lord over you. He doesn't want to make you do what He's asking you to do. He wants you to do it of your own free will. God is awesome. And when you develop this relationship with Him, your life will be changed forever. Speaking from my own example. That's why Jesus came to show us the way. He came in the flesh to show us what it meant to have a relationship with our Heavenly Father. He had one with His Heavenly Father and He wanted to show us that we needed to do the same through Him. Jesus was and is all about a loving relationship with His people. In John 14, 11, hopefully this is, yes. Believe me when I say this, that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. When I first read that, it was confusing. I was like, what? I think I just figured out I had two saves on this PowerPoint. and This isn't my last one, that's why I'm out of the loop here. John 14, 15 says this, If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you for a little while. Oh, forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept, accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you. And here it says he will be in you. He will be in you. Understand this, at this time, Jesus hadn't died yet. He hadn't gone to the grave yet. He hadn't gotten the victory over sin and death yet. So that's why he had to say here, he will be in you. But after his death, burial, and resurrection, he would have been able to say to them, he is in you. All right, you with me? I will not leave you as orphans, he said. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Do you see the relationship here? This is how Jesus planned it. And before he left, he said, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. Anyone who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. We often gloss over that first little part in verse 21. Whoever has my commands, whoever keeps my commands... What are his commands? I'm not going to tell you. Get your Bible out. Read the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And then jump into the book of Acts. Do you want to know what His commands are? Read them from Him. That's why God gave us His Word. We need to be students of the Bible. God loves us. And when we obey His commands, everything seems to work out. Somebody will say to me, well, you know, we're saved by grace, not by works. I get that. But once we're saved, we're expected to do His work. We're expected to. Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you as little orphans to fend for yourselves. I am going so that I can send you the Holy Spirit. And we know according to Acts chapter 1 and ch chapter 2 that He did just that. In fact, the church erupted after that event in Acts 2, 1 through 4. We can receive the Holy Spirit who is a sign, a seal, a promise that what God said He would do, He will do. And that also means that one day we are going to be resurrected just like Jesus was. 
But until then, we have the Holy Spirit to help us live a victorious lifestyle. That means you're not jumping into the sack with whoever. That's sinful. If you really love somebody, then marry them. Do it God's way. If you don't, if you don't love them, you're just doing it for the sex, that's sin. Preaching to the choir, probably. Ephesians 1, 13-14 says, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Now, catch this part. When you believed, you were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of His glory. He, the Holy Spirit, is a seal. Signed, sealed, delivered. Second Corinthians 1, 21 and 22 says, Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit. I'm going to get back to this in just a minute. Guaranteeing what is to come. Can you see what the Apostle Paul is telling the church? We have a relationship, the privilege of having a relationship with God, the living God, the Holy Spirit. And He is a deposit, a guarantee that God, what God was saying is going to come to pass because He said, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit as a guarantee that everything else I said is going to happen. Which means one day we are going to be raised up. And this body that's, that's like an anchor to this world, I don't know how it's going to happen, but we're going to leave this body and enter a glorified body. Hallelujah. And the Holy Spirit is a seal of God's ownership on us. And I love this part because God gave me this picture. Tell everybody I said dibs. And then I want them to picture me giving them a big lick. You ever see that? Somebody, dibs. There's a brand new car out in the parking lot. They go lick the handle, dibs. That's what God does to you and me. Dibs. I don't know how big God's tongue is, but you just got a sloppy wet one. God parks his spirit in us. I don't know what you're talking about, but if we're not in it, shh. God parks His Spirit in us. In a sense, we are His earthly garage. I hope that this doesn't sound heretical to anybody. And He wants us to drive Him around. He wants us to get in Him and drive Him around this world. Show people what He looks like. The Spirit of the living God. The power of God. That's what it means to have a relationship with Him. But back to the concern that I started with. We must surrender all to Him if we expect to be a part of His kingdom. If we expect Him to do amazing miracles in and through us. We can't hang on to sins. And I said this earlier, you're not a failure until you stop trying. So maybe there's something in you, some sinful lifestyle in you that you have struggled with for years. Hear this. Don't quit trying to quit. But don't do it on your own. Aaron had some great advice today. Get an accountability person in your life. One of them has to be the Holy Spirit. But it doesn't hurt to have a brother or sister in Christ walking you through things if, if you're really struggling with something that's bigger than you. 
And I've said this before, but I'm a phone call away. If you're really struggling with something, whatever you talk about is confidential, and I'm here as your shepherd, as the pastor of this church, if I can help you in any way. And I'm not here to judge. I'm here to help. We're in this together. We're the body of Christ. And God wants to do amazing miracles through us. But we've got to prepare ourselves. Let me ask you this. Was there any sin in Jesus? A little bit? None, right? Okay, just wanted to clarify that. Romans 28, 8, 28 to 30 says, We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him. And that includes the difficult, untimely, challenging things that we face. Who have been called according to His purpose. But verse 29, I've underlined this. For those God foreknew, He also predestined to what? Be conformed to the image of His Son. When I read that, and I thought, how? He was perfect. We can't do it on our own. But God, the Holy Spirit, can help us. And I'm not saying that you're not going to mess up at some point in your future as much as we try. But when you've got God, the Holy Spirit, in your corner, when He's walking you through difficult times, even if you blow it, because you have a relationship with Him, what's He going to say? All right. Put it under the blood. Let's move on. Just don't make it a lifestyle. Don't make it a lifestyle. What this says to me is that each of us has been predestined to look like Jesus more and more each day. And I I believe this. This is my own take on this. Sanctification, that's a big word, which pretty much means that you're being washed every day. Sanctification simply means that every day you look a little bit cleaner. A little bit better. You have put some of those things, when you first came to how many, when you first came to Christ, you had some pretty serious sin in your life. Not that any sin is bigger or worse than another, but I'm just trying to make a point here. One of the things that I was known for before Jesus was that my mouth was a well of profanity. I've been around people like that lately, and... <laughs> I try not to look aghast. Like, oh man, whoo, really? Because now I look at it as it shows your intelligence. If you only know four-letter words, get what I'm saying? So I was one of those. You would, if, and it didn't matter if I was in the company of women or not. I was just that way. I hope you guys aren't going, man, this dude was rough. <laughs> After last week, yeah, he's a thief, he was cusser now, what else? When God the Holy Spirit came into my heart, into my life, he helped me with that. And that's, that was one of the signs to a brother in the Lord. I didn't know he was a Christian. But I knew him on my job site, and he, after two weeks, he looked at me and he goes, Oberlin, there's something different about you. And I didn't even know what it was. And he finally goes, I know what it is. You haven't said one of those words the whole time we've been talking. What happened? And I just looked at him, I said, I didn't realize it, but I gave my life to Jesus which meant God the Holy Spirit came in me. God the Holy Spirit helped me to be delivered from that sin. 
Sarah, do you want to come up? I think I'm going to close with this today. Where there is no vision, no redemptive revelation of God, the people perish. But he who keeps the law of God, which includes that of man, blessed, happy, fortunate, and enviable is he. That's the amplified version. Where there is no vision, the people perish, but he who keeps the law, blessed, happy, fortunate, and enviable is he. I believe that God has a plan and a purpose for each and every one of us. And the biggest part of this is that you have to realize what God has already done for you in the redemptive department. He took your place. He took my place. The Bible says He took our sins upon Him. I I don't even know what that meant for Him because the fact that He was holy and pure and all of a sudden had all of humanity's sins dumped on Him at once. I don't know what that would have been like. Certainly overwhelming. Certainly it would have been the darkest that anyone could have any ever experienced. And I'm positive that the demons and the devils were all happy with glee that this happened as he was buried under yours and my sin. Past, present, talking about when he died, and future. He looked ahead to where you and I are today and he took those sins that you and I have committed and they were on him as well. God is not held in a time bubble like we are. He's timeless. And when he died, he died once and for all. Past, present, and future were all redeemed that day. And he knew what you and I were going to do even today. He knows what we're going to do even tomorrow. And he's already accounted for those. But you and I have to take that step to come toward him. I said this before, he will not force you to do anything. He won't. It's always a choice. Because he doesn't want to be that kind of ruler that do it my way. He wants you to come to Him because you want to come to Him. Because you realize there's no other way. Because you sense His love drawing you through the Holy Spirit. That relationship I talked about already. Would you stand with me? This isn't how I intended to close today. But I I truly believe there's at least one in here today that you would say, Pastor Norm, (laughs) I haven't been living for the Lord the way that I believe He wants me to live. And I, I sense the Holy Spirit drawing me today. If that's you today, would you lift your hand up? You know that God is challenging you right now. And he's telling you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Hallelujah. I said this last week. I'll say it again. We all have to take a step. That step should be toward him. And I just want to make sure that everybody is included in on this prayer that really knows that they need Jesus today. If you need Jesus and you know it, and I don't, I don't mean, if you're already born again, I, I get that. I'm talking about people 
that you've been living your life in a way that's not pleasing to God and you know that he's drawing you today to make that change, to do that 180. If that's you, again, lift your hand up so I can see it. Anybody else? Hallelujah. All right. We had several that lifted their hand. And I just want to pray as a church, listen to me. The way you've lived your life and are living your life, the second that you give that to God, it'll change. I'm proof of that. Many in this room are proof of that. But you have got to say, God, forgive me of my sins, and now come into me. Come into my heart. Help me to walk through this life. Empower me. And we'll get into this more when we do the study on the Holy Spirit. But he, he gives you the power to overcome these kinds of obstacles, the sins that you've been struggling with all this time. One last time. Anybody else that wants to get in on this? I didn't have anybody close their eyes because this is something that I don't know if I've been in error all this time or not, but when we raise our hand in front of our brothers and sisters, what we're saying is, I need your help with this. And I, God bless the men that raise their hands. What we're saying is, I don't care who sees this because I know I need a change with the Lord. And I commend you guys to raise your hands. Would you pray with us? And if you raised your hand, men, meet it. Mean it. Let this be the day that you invite the Holy Spirit to have that connection with your heart. And from this day forward, you're going to live for Him. You're going to have more successful days than unsuccessful. Are you ready for this? All right. Father, pray this with me. Father, I need you. I need your help. Wash me in your blood cleanse me of that unrighteousness and today I place my hands my feet my mind my ears my eyes my heart into your hands fill me with your Holy Spirit that I might serve you all the days that I have left and help me, Lord, to avoid all evil. Help me to be a success in your eyes. I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I believe that the Lord is speaking to me to speak to you through me. That he is calling us to a new level, a new challenge. And each day, with his help, we're going to get a little bit better. And each day, he's going to add a little bit more to us. A little bit more power, a little bit more responsibility. Because he is calling you and me to a higher level than we've ever been. This church, the people of the hope, are being called to a new level, a new challenge, a new place in the kingdom of God. And he wants to use us. But it's going to require our complete obedience surrender it's going to be a challenge to us 
But if you are willing to give him your all, he will use you to his glory, to his praise. And as a result, you will be blessed. You will be highly favored among men. I believe that that is a word from him today. Now it's up to you what you do with it. Let's go out and let's shake up our world for Jesus. Let's let that light shine. Let's convince people that they need our Lord and Savior. Because if they're going any other direction, where are they headed? Hell. Just wanted to hear you say it. That's a word we don't like to hear these days, even in churches. There is a hell. There is a heaven. People need to know the difference. Father, thank you again for everything you're doing in and amongst our people. Even in me, Lord, I, I pray that you would continue to help us to rise up to your expectations. Lord, fill us afresh and anew with your Holy Spirit. Do that that only you can do. Keep us safe in our coming and in our going. Let this week be a week of victory. After a week of prayer, I pray that our prayers will come to pass. For many of us, the things we have been asking you for, Lord, we're going to see fruit. We're going to see those folks that we've been praying for come to Jesus or at least acknowledge that you exist. The seeds that we planted in prayer are going to come and bear fruit. We believe that in Jesus' name. We're expecting it. And Lord, we're expecting you to move here as well. Again, we commit the people of Mount Hope Church into your hands. And if you agree with that, would you say amen? God bless you. Have a great week in Jesus.